This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host on The Real Deal, where my very special guest today is a Gold Shield detective from New York City who acquired a very impressive uh, history of cracking important cases, especially some of the more uh, the more seedy or disgusting side of life to, having to do with uh, uh, child pornography, f pedophilia, and the like. His name is Jim Rothstein, and I'm here to discuss with him the recent revelations coming forward, uh, many attributed to the NYPD, about the uh, emails that have been discussed and discovered in Anthony Weiner's email server, some 650,000, uh, where uh, some 500 of those 650,000, 500,000 of those 650,000, appear to be directly relevant to Hillary Clinton, her relationship with Huma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, John Podesta, and others involving a lot of salacious activities. Uh, uh, Detective Rothstein, I'm very, very pleased to have this opportunity to speak with you today. Well, I'm glad you have me on your show. Uh, I'll give you all the background information I have. That's absolutely terrific. I thought I'd begin by going through a couple of reports we have and asking for your assessment about their their credibility, whether whether you believe they are accurate or not. We have, for example, a couple of uh, uh, tweets from a Greg Hilliard. Sources within the NYPD telling me this is way bigger than people know. Emails point to pedophilia ring with Hillary Clinton at the center. Another from Greg Hilliard. I would not report this unless I was 100% sure, known this source 15-plus years. Another from Carmen Katz. My NYPD source said it's much more vile and serious than classified material on Wiener's device. The email detailed the trips made by Wiener, Bill, and Hillary on their pedophile billionaire friend's plane, the Lolita Express. Yup, Hillary has a well-documented predilection for underage girls. And Mr. Weiner just could not bear to see those details deleted. We're taking, we're talking an international child enslavement and sex ring. Not even Hillary's most ardent supporter and defenders will be able to excuse this. Uh, Jim, based upon your extensive background in this area and field, does does this have the ring of truth? Does it does it make sense to you? Do these reports appear to be credible? Why, absolutely, because. Back in 1966, I was the first detective that I know of that was explicitly assigned to find out what was going on. And in the New York Police Department at the time, and it only took three weeks for me to find out that the entire conception of prostitution, pedophilia, and trafficking was totally wrong. And that's where I started. And then about, it was in October of that year that a cop got killed by the name of Campisi, and I was cut loose, which meant that my assignment was to travel all over and find out exactly what was going on. And uh, after I had saved the life of a couple of hookers and such, I got a lot of credibility, and they came out of the woodwork, and I started checking into it, and we discovered this huge underground operation of exactly what they're talking here. Uh, many of the predecessors for this are tied into this, and a lot of this uh, was verified and then 
by Roy Cohen, who was the cutout guy. And then later on, you've probably seen when Roger Stone started coming out with some of this stuff. So the whole background is laid. And I was the only cop detective that worked from this on day one to when we were finally shut down after I had been appointed to the New York State Select Committee on Crime by the governor, where this was after we had been stopped three times. He finally formed the State Select Committee on Crime, and myself and Detective Matthew Rosenthal were assigned to that, and then we got shut down in that because we took this to the highest levels in our government. So that the idea that uh, high-ranking uh, political figures, uh, uh, prominent even in the present administration, uh, possibly reaching the highest level is not remotely implausible to you. Indeed, in, on the basis of your own investigations and research, you know that this is in fact the case where your investigations have been thwarted, no doubt because you were threatening to expose politically influential individuals who are desperate to see it brought to a halt. Oh, why, certainly. We went to the highest levels in our government, the military, and so forth. And yes, uh, this is, uh, they're trying everything in this world to cover this up. We not only dealt at the United States level, the very first case of government involvement I got brought in on was the Profumo scandal from England. They came to New York, uh, I guess it was about 1966, and for a week I worked with MI6 in Scotland Yard on the Profumo case, which was the first actual government involvement I had. And later on, uh, there were many cases where we identified top government people. And my research, I came up with it, or my investigations at that time, it wasn't research, was that 35 to 40 percent are compromised. I had other people in the know uh, with the number as high as 70 percent. Is it the case when you suggest compromise that they are not only involved in these sordid activities, but that others possess knowledge of their involvement, possibly proof of their involvement, such as videotapes or photographs or other forms that could be used to blackmail, extort, or control them? Oh, why, definitely. We found numerous, numerous cases where that was exactly what happened. And you can even look at the uh, Watergate break-in was strictly based on one thing, the pedophile records that were being kept at the Democratic National Headquarters, uh, not only the prostitution ring, but the pedophile ring. And the reason they broke in there was to get that list, we call it the book, where you identify all your customers, how much they spend, what their uh, uh, sexual proclivities are, and all of this stuff. And this was the level that we had gone to, even to that level. And there were many cases like this with United States government leaders, uh, foreign government leaders. Yes, this happens on a regular basis. And in some cases, it is specifically used that if you have somebody compromised, you can control them. And we found various cases of that documented. 
Jim is an adult male who has, uh, you know, had very positive relationships with women throughout his life. I've always been puzzled by the whatever is supposed to be the perverse motivation that drives individuals to desire to have sexual relationships with children. To me, it's almost inconceivable. Uh, in in my view, uh, any adult male would really properly only want to have uh, sexual relations with an adult female who was uh, capable of granting informed consent and who wanted to uh, participate in sexual relationships with me. Uh, I, I just find the whole thing perverse beyond belief. You must have a Acquired a considerable understanding of the psychology or psychopathology that drives pedophiles. Could you elaborate? Oh, why, certainly. We even had some of the foremost scientists working with us. Among them was Harold Laswell. Uh, there was Dr. Jonathan Rubenstein and others. Because we, not only did I get assigned to this, but I was given an unlimited expense account. And we didn't just work on the police aspects. We also went into psychological and stuff like that. And we found out many, many things that was never known before on how this works. Many of these people were victims themselves and became pedophiles. And then we have others that when they re reached a certain level of uh, power, this was an, uh, the next step to it where they felt they could do anything they wanted to do. Uh, it would be a whole show just to explain all of that. But yes, and a big thing too is many of these people are set up to be compromised. I know at one time there were three houses of prostitution being used in New York to compromise people. The only problem was I had an informant in every one. So I knew exactly what they were doing, such as the informant I had who told me about a pedophile operation that was done for that. And a particular night on East 64th Street, they killed three little boys, two 14-year-olds and a 15-year-old, while they were having sex with them. And uh, eventually I served a subpoena on the people, and uh, uh, it was covered up under national security. That was when I was with the New York State Select Committee on Crime. Covered up under national security, Jim, that's profoundly yeah. disturbing because that implies that the individuals involved in uh, sexually abusing and murdering these children had links to the federal government or were officials of the government itself. Oh, yes. I, I personally identified them. I won't give the name on the air. But, yes, I identified the man and physically served him with a subpoena in Locust Valley, New York, at the coffee shop by the railroad station. And before we could get to the office, it was shut down. Wow. Jim, here's a longer report about all of this. I, I, I want to read it uh, and then get your reaction to it. Breaking bombshell. NYPD blows whistle on new Hillary emails. Money laundering, sex crimes with children, child exploitation, pay-to-play, perjury. NYPD sources said Clinton's crew also included several unnamed yet implicated members of Congress in addition to who are aides and insiders. The NYPD seized the computer from Weiner during a search warrant, and detectives discovered a trove of over 500,000 emails to and from Hillary Clinton, Abedin, and other insiders during her tenure as Secretary of State. 
The contents of those emails sparked the FBI to reopen its defunct email investigation into Clinton on Friday. But new revelations on the contents of that laptop, according to law enforcement sources, implicate the Democratic presidential candidate, her subordinates, and even select elected officials in far more alleged serious crimes than mishandling classified and top secret emails, sources said. NYPD sources said these new emails include evidence linking Clinton herself and associates to money laundering, child exploitation, sex crimes with minors, children, perjury, pay-to-play through Clinton Foundation, obstruction of justice, other felony crimes. NYPD detectives and an NYPD chief, the department's highest rank under commissioner, said openly that if the FBI and Justice Department fail to garner timely indictments against Clinton and co-conspirators, NYPD will go public with the damaging emails now in the hands of FBI Director James Comey and many FBI field offices. Quote, what's in the emails is staggering, and as a father, it turned my stomach, the NYPD chief said. There's not going to be any Houdini-like escape from what we found. We have copies of everything. We will ship them to WikiLeaks, or I will personally hold my own press conference if it comes to that. The NYPD chief said once Comey saw the alarming contents of the emails, he was forced to reopen a criminal probe against Clinton. People are going to prison, he said. Meanwhile, FBI sources said Aberdeen and Wiener were cooperating with federal agents who have taken over the non-sexting portions of the case from NYPD. The husband and wife Clinton insiders are both shopping for separate immunity deal, sources said. If they don't cooperate, they're going to see long sentences, a federal law enforcement uh, source said. NYPD sources said Wiener or Abbott and stored all the emails in a massive Microsoft Outlook program on the laptop. The emails implicate other current and former members of Congress and one high-ranking Democrat senator as having possibly engaged in criminal activity too, sources said. Prosecutors in the office of U.S. Attorney Preet Bahara have issued a subpoena for Wiener's cell phone and travel records, law enforcement sources confirmed. NYPD said it planned to order the same phone and travel records on Clinton and Abedin. However, the FBI said it was in the process of requesting the identical records. Law enforcement sources are particularly interested in cell phone activity and travel to the Bahamas, U.S. Virgin Islands, and other locations that sources would not divulge. The new emails contain travel documents and itineraries indicating Hillary Clinton, President Bill Clinton, Wiener, and multiple members of Congress and other government officials accompanied convicted pedophile billionaire Jeffrey Epstein on his Boeing 727 on multiple occasions to his private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands, sources said. Epstein's Island also has been dubbed Orgy Island or Sex Slave Island, where Epstein allegedly pimps out underage girls and boys to international dignitaries. Both NYPD and FBI sources confirm, based on the new emails, they now believe Hillary Clinton traveled as Epstein's guest on at least six occasions, probably more when all the evidence is combed, sources said. Bill Clinton it has been confirmed in media reports spanning recent years that he, too, traveled with Epstein over 20 times 
to the island. Jim, frankly, I find all of this completely appalling, but because of your thorough understanding of this kind of practice and activity, uh, I, I take it you are unsurprised by all of this. Can, can you elaborate on your reaction to hearing these reports? Oh, it is par for the course because, like I said, we were stopped three times, and all three times we were at this level uh, with other politicians and such. But the interesting thing here that people are not aware of is the Bahamas is also the center for many years where the money laundering went through to the Vatican Bank. Uh, that's another interesting thing that happened in the Bahamas that we had found out in our investigations. And finally, when we had the State Select Committee on Crime going, uh, we had a number of these cases. And in one particular case, we wanted a wiretap order on one of the big pimps that was running a lot of this stuff, which ended up tied to the Watergate break-in and later on to the... Uh, a couple other uh, big-name people like Irving Budlong who ended up dead, and you had the uh, a couple other big pimps operating in Washington, D.C., uh, and we got stopped on every every instance. You Like these guys where they're at now, all of a sudden, everything was shut down. So don't be surprised if all of a sudden you'll find this thing shut down, even at this level. And it appears to be the case that Donald Trump now represents a major threat to these entrenched interests, that he would support going forward with these kinds of investigations, expose the corruption, and have those perpetrators brought to justice, uh, prosecuted, uh, you know, due process, tried, convicted, sent to prison, uh, and that this may be stirring a great deal of apprehension and concern among a fairly large number, I'm guessing minimally on the order of a hundred high-ranking members of the Obama administration. Does that all sound reasonable to you? Why, certainly, because the, uh, the precedent is set for it. And I can assure you that Donald Trump, Trump has people working for him that are ex-cops from the New York Police Department that know what is going on. Uh, that I can, I can assure you is true. Plus, Donald Trump had very uh, good connections to the old Roy Cohen crowd, which were the people who used this, uh, working both for and against government officials. There has been for 50 years that I know of an operation, and it's par for the course, if you find somebody compromised, you control them. And I could go on and on with explicit cases. Uh, military figures, we haven't even touched the part where the military is compromised. Uh, there were a couple admirals who committed suicide because my informant, Ed Skull Murphy, he's dead so I can give his name, and it's been written about, uh, actually had them compromised. They ended up, they were pedophiles. And they were being extorted by Murphy and his boys. See, it goes beyond, it also goes to money. And I can tell you one other thing. After a while, a short while, when I started, we found that we could not put our reports in the open police department files because people were using it when we passed it up the chain 
We're using it to extort people, both for money and power. Wow. So if, as some are speculating, they are, the powers that be are so troubled by the prospect of Donald Trump's election uh, that we're now getting reports they may pull uh, elaborate false flag attacks in New York, in uh, Virginia, in Texas tomorrow to disrupt the election so that Obama can intervene, call it a halt, uh, possibly even impose martial law. And, you know, frankly, Jim, from what I know about Obama himself, this is really not that much of a stretch. I mean, it turns out that Michelle Obama has a package that most women do not have, uh, was uh, born Michael LaVon Robinson, which means, of course, that uh, their children are adopted and Obama is gay. And there appears to be a long history there. I've received confirming information from many different sources. But if anyone goes online and just does a search on, is Michelle Obama a man, they will be rather startled to discover how much proof there is out there. Does any of this come as a surprise or news to you? Oh, no, because part of our investigation was when we looked into Saul Alinsky and Bill Ayers. And when we were investigating that whole connection, uh, the profile that was set fits exactly into what you have in the presidency now. And I don't know if people are aware of who they were, but if you want, do a, uh, a deep investigation into Saul Alinsky and that particular uh, political agenda that was going on at that time. It never stopped. We did a lot of work on that. Of course, when you talk about, you know, uh, ha ha using information to blackmail and control figures, uh, J. Edgar Hoover was notorious for having sex dossiers on every member of Congress, and ironically, the mob had one on him. Uh, and so Edgar did I. And so did I. <laughs> Where Edgar liked to dress up as a woman, and they... The mob had uh, photographs of him uh, in, in compromising positions with his close personal aide, Clyde Tolson, whereby they were able to keep him from even acknowledging the existence of organized crime until the Jovalachi hearings, when the, the structure of the Casa Nostra was outlined in such detail it was no longer politically possible to deny it. I take it you, you, you can confirm everything I've just said. Well, even more, because, as I said, my informant, Ed Skull Murphy, uh, and those mob guys you're referring to were from New York. And Ed Skull Murphy was my deepest informant who gave me all the connections, not only to J. Edgar Hoover, but also to Cardinal Spellman, who at that time was the most powerful man in New York. And I was given... Uh, a young lad who had been caught stealing the Cardinal's shoes so that Cardinal Spellman wouldn't come after me. Uh, the guy's name on the street was Jack the Sailor. And so I was well protected that way because Skull Murphy later testified in front of the State Select Committee on Crime that when he met an honest detective, he, you know, he finally realized that there was a way out of. He had been a victim himself and then became an extortionist and 
you name it, he did it. Like there's a story on the computer about him, chickens in the bowls by a guy named Bill McGowan, uh, which will explain it in total. It would take a whole show just to go in what Skull did, but Skull was my top asset when it came to infiltrating that underground. Well, I would very much like to do other interviews with you about these important matters because they're so corrosive and destroying the fabric of our government and democratic processes which appear to be hanging by a thread in this day and age. I'm just dumbfounded by all of the revelations coming forward and very grateful for your uh, confirmation and, and dissection of what's going on here. Another report we have is billionaire sex offender Epstein once claimed he co-founded the Clinton Foundation. Attorneys for convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein touted his close friendship with Bill Clinton and even claimed the billionaire helped start Clinton's controversial family foundation in a 2007 letter aimed at boosting his image during plea negotiations, uh, Fox News has learned. Uh, all that, too, seems to fit into the pattern that we're discussing. And would it be the case, as I surmise, that by having some of these sexual activities where the, the plane, known as the Lolita Express, had a bedroom where guests aboard the plane could have sex with underage girls, that it was a form of resisting a determination of jurisdiction for the crimes that were thereby being committed, and that having an orgy island in the Bahamas uh, it makes it outside of the legal reach of the United States. Could you address those points? Oh, yes. And like I say, everything I talk about, there is at least a case or an investigation to back it up. And these things, different characters, different times were going on then, different locations. There was various locations around the world where they would go to, uh, each one had their own, uh, how would you call it, uh, uh, program or particular degenerate type of sex that was involved. And Oh, yes, it was all broken down into different categories. Some of it was satanic, and it just went on and on. And, of course, as you previously observed, it involved even murder. When you mention satanic... Uh, are you including thereby child sacrifices and even the consumption of parts of children and the like? Well, I never got the consumption of the parts, but I can tell you that the Son of Sam case, in 1968, I had an informant take me to Untermeyer Park and showed me where they were sacrificing the German shepherds and the kids. And what we did is we made an arrest of the chauffeur of a big politician in New York at the time, or power broker, uh, to verify uh, he had picked up three kids that he was taking to his uh, boss, and we did that just to verify that our information was accurate. And it didn't go any further than the arrest of the chauffeur. But the three kids wound up being sacrificed? Yeah. Well, they weren't sacrificed. We got them before that happened, but we arrested this guy to prove that it was happening. You know, we needed to verify it. And then later on, uh, it turned out it was the Son of Sam case. And once, uh, just before the Son of Sam case broke, they started moving 
west on Interstate 9094, and it turned out to be the smiley face killer. You've probably noticed here in the Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota area, there's over 300 kids who have fallen into that category. And there was a professor and a New York detective. The professor was uh, from St. Cloud State, uh, Gilbertson, and the detective was Gannon. And they actually verified this, and nobody has ever looked at it. And the last kid just went in the river here a couple weeks ago by the, from the University of Minnesota. Uh, it fits the pattern. I have, you know, I don't know if that's what it was, but it, that makes the count 30 now. So in the case of the young men, I mean, it's sexual abuse, sodomy, as opposed to the typical case of a female abducted, raped, and then murdered. But it's perfectly parallel from the point of view of the motivation and the modus operandi. Yes, yes and there is a whole perverted sex ritual that goes with that, which is too disgusting to talk about on the air. <coughs> We've had a number of uh, public reports, some of which apparently have been brought under such tremendous pressure they've been required to be rescinded. Brett Baer, who's a very responsible anchor for Fox News, for example, uh, re reported that FBI sources believe the Clinton Foundation case is moving toward a a likely indictment, uh, but uh, uh, within, oh, I don't know, 24 or 48 hours, he was forced to retract that publicly and apologize, uh, which seems to me a clear exercise of uh, inducement pressure placed upon him, no doubt through those who control the, the news organization by um, representatives of the Clinton Foundation who wanted to quash this, uh, because it was so close to the election. Would you suspect I am right about that? Why, certainly, because I have another case that would verify this. There was a trial in Norfolk, Virginia, years ago, <clears throat> and when the media was going to run with it, it ran, Associated Press was going to do the story, and in New York at that time, they had an evening blurb, and this came out in it, and I bet the reporter a steak dinner that it would never be printed in total. The next day, nothing showed up in the paper. What had happened is this business had called all the media and told them, if you run the story, we're going to pull our advertising. The report never saw the light of day. And I have more than one case like that where that, right here in Minnesota, uh, a particular media outlet here, a big TV station, a reporter lost his job and the station was forced to uh, pull back on its entire investigation. That went back into, you know, about 96, 97 to 2000. So this, and I can take you all over the country and give you different cases exactly like that. It seems to me today that uh, serious investigative journalism is a, is a lost art. It's not just dying, it's completely defunct. And you have the news media whether we're talking about the printed uh, version or uh, television, uh, completely dominated by government-sponsored stories, 
where the, 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 uh, about five or six corporations control 95% of what comes out. The principal sources are, are the Associated Press and Reuters. Turns out Reuters owns the Associated Press, and Reuters in turn appears to be owned by the Rothschilds. So there's a real complete domination of the news media. William Colby, of course, years ago as the director, uh, uh, reported uh, to Congress that the CIA owns everyone as significant in the major media. He had been preceded in exposing this connection by Carl Bernstein, who in 1977 in Rolling Stone published an article entitled The CIA and the Media, where high-ranking officials of the agency were boasting that their greatest successes had been with Time Life, the New York Times, and CBS. And, of course, in that era, if you controlled those three outlets, you pretty much had a, a lock on the American news media. Uh, Jim, I've been dumbfounded that even the New York Times, which, of course, has a distinction of being our nation's newspaper of record, meaning that what it publishes is officially the history of the United States, has itself become an instrument of propaganda and disinformation. You can find more truth about Hillary and her activities today in the National Enquirer, say the last three or four issues, than you can find in all of the New York Times. It's stunning. Well, yes, and I can tell you back in those days, one of the reporters, one of the top reporters at the New York Times was one of my uh, connections that would give me information and further uh, put information out there. But many times there were stories that he could not get printed. I had sources in the, well, Jack Anderson in the Washington Post, Paul Meskel at the Daily News, and you might remember that name. That is where I got the information when I arrested Frank Sturgis. Uh, we had all these different reporters in those positions. So we knew what was going on. You know, we took this to levels. In fact, I got called to Washington, D.C., I was 92 or 93, to meet with a committee that was going to take this on, and everything was shut down. The only person that ever went and ran for office again was uh, Barbara Mikulski from Maryland. Everybody else never ran for office again. That's how high I went with this. I did a confidential report to Congress based on all these different things. That's really a remarkable oh, yes. accomplishment. But Jim, you know that 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 that's kind of that this these forms of corruption extend so high is simply appalling. I mean, I think the average American would be just totally dismayed to realize that we have such corrupt individuals in positions of power. Well, I've been doing radio and TV shows on this for 50 years, and you'd be amazed. Very few people ever call or question me for a couple of years. And there's one other important thing we cannot miss here before we go further. Any law enforcement, FBI, Customs, IRS, that works this material here and takes it above the street level, their careers are over. Every law enforcement here in Minnesota, a gallant Lieutenant Gary McGarvey, his partner Kenny Tidwell, they're both dead now, that's why I'm using their names. They were crucified here in Minnesota. And I have FBI agents on a particular investigation, 
we convicted 11 of the top 12 pimps. Immediately thereafter, they were transferred out. And I've had them come here to my house just within the last 10 years and flat out tell me, Jim, you know what the rules are. And why are we letting this happen? Why are we letting... You always hear about corruption. What about the gallant officers? And if you read later on, we'll probably get to it, my resolution. I address this problem. Any prosecutor, anybody, why aren't the people demanding that justice be done? I think they feel helpless, that there's nothing they can do about it. And I think that they are so dispirited by recognizing the absolute uh, failure, the neutralization of the democratic process, which is occurring in so many different forms by redistricting, for example, to guarantee that a member of a certain party is virtually impossible to remove from office uh, uh, through voter fraud and manipulation, including inducing ineligible citizens to, or even non-citizens to vote. We have reports now from the Department of Justice that there are some 4 million dead or otherwise ineligible on our voting list. Jerry Brown in California signed a motor voter law that when you obtain a driver license, you're automatically qualified to vote, which sounds very reasonable on its face, except in California, illegal aliens are entitled to vote. I just reviewed a video where Barack Obama was being questioned by an Hispanic woman about whether illegals who go to vote are running the risk of deportation, and Barack Obama was assuring her there was no risk of that, basically telling them they were entitled to go and vote with no fear that they'd be found out or ever punished for it. And this is the president of the United States subverting the democratic process and where the electronic voting machines are so easy to scam. Uh, Bev Harris has just bro broken the software that's being used widely now, GEMS, GEM Software, that treats votes in a fractional way so that you can make one vote count a thousand times, another vote count one one thousandth of a vote. I mean, it's just stunning what's going on here. Not to mention that George Soros has the influence over the owner of voting machines in 16 different states. I think, I think the American people are becoming profoundly disillusioned, Jim, and I'm not quite sure where it's headed. But if they do steal this election from Donald Trump, where I am detecting many, many signs from many different directions that Trump actually has a very substantial lead over Hillary Clinton, I can't predict exactly what the response is going to be. No, neither can I, and I'm looking at this very closely. But there was an interesting thing. After we were stopped with the State Select Committee on Crime, which was number four, I had a meeting with Harold Laswell. I'm quite sure you're familiar with who Harold Laswell was. Uh, he was a Freudian scientist, and he was part of our committee. Uh, and it was part of the Political Sci uh, uh, Science Corporation. And I asked him, I says, how can I ever get this to happen? And he made a very interesting statement, and sometimes I've been able to use a little bit. He says, you've got to get the mothers to stand up and make the husbands do what it takes to protect their children. And I have found, you give me a bunch of mothers, 
that are feisty, and there's nothing I can't do. You know, this is what we have to do. There is no politician, no policeman, or police chief, or anybody that can withstand the pressures that mothers can put on them. Well, it's fascinating because the uh, Hillary campaign has adopted the very clever tactic of focusing on some of uh, the Donald's superficial verbal behavior, ignoring the actual actions they've taken in in the form of sexual perversions and massive forms of corruption through the Clinton Foundation. And, And, you know, really trying to keep the focus on him where, uh, interestingly, significantly, in the last few weeks, the attention is focused back on Hillary, and it's a bad time for her to be the center of attention so close to the election, which I believe is one more reason why the Donald seems to be garnering so much widespread support and why they may take drastic action tomorrow to put a halt to it to save their own skins, Jim. This yes, is... but there's one other th- question. Why haven't they brought up Mena, Arkansas, and Hillary and Bill's involvement in Mena, Arkansas with the uh, drug money laundering? There was a huge thing done on it, and I was part of it. In fact, the book that was written by Terry Reed and John Cummings was sent to me to critique before it was published, and then I was brought down to New York uh, to go over it with John Cummings before the book actually came out. So there, there's the biggest, bigger scandal than everything is the meet of Arkansas, and the Barry Seal movie was supposed to come out, and they delayed it. Yeah, no doubt, under pressure from, from representatives yeah. of the parties involved whose interests would not be served by the truth being revealed. I think this is one more reason why the alternative media really is the only source for accurate information. There's uh, an awful lot about Clinton scandals going back to Mina, Jim, out there. I've watched some that will do, you know, 10 scandals in part one, another 10 in part two. I mean, there are about 50 of these scandals that are simply overwhelming. There's, of course, the book out there called Clinton Cash. Uh, I mean, that's also another extremely important resource. Roger Stone has published The Clinton's War on Women. Uh, He has uh, exposed other shenanigans. Larry Nichols has talked about it. I've interviewed him on The Real Deal myself. Here's one from Gary Franchi, breaking FBI investigation, part of huge underground Clinton D.C. child sex network. Breaking NYPD blows whistle on Hillary emails, child sex crimes, exploitation, pay-to-play, perjury. Uh, so so it, it's getting out there, but it's not getting out there through the mainstream media. It's only accessible yes. if you're online and, and doing some research for yourself on the Internet. Well, I want to add one more to this. When Bill Clinton was the president of the United States, who did he make secretary of defense? It was a Republican from the state of Maine. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. uh, Bill Cohen. Right. Did you ever look at the or see the story that was done on the television in Bangor, Maine, where it mentioned that somebody had come forward with two young boys who had been associated with Bill Cohen? That was actually done by a reporter, Jim Parisi, on a TV station in Bangor, Maine. Now, 
again, why would a Democrat put a Republican on as Secretary of Defense unless he was compromised, right? Yes, yes, of course, yes. How many people have heard of that one? I, I was there. I know, William Cohen. He always seemed to me kind of a strange case, but then, you know, you, uh -oh. get, you get into any of this and it starts getting really murky, mucky very fast. Oh, gosh, you have no idea the different cases uh, that we were brought in on in Washington, D.C. So there was another detective in Washington, the guy that made the arrest on the Watergate burglars, Carl Schaffler. And as you know, I arrested one of the burglars, Frank Sturgis, when he came to New York to kill Marita Lorenz. And I had Frank for hours, and he told me exactly what happened. Plus, we knew what it was. And Carl Schaffler had same information we did. Us detectives worked very closely. Remember, I was assigned to find out what was happening. I had unlimited expense count with no restrictions on travel. And I didn't have to tell anybody where I was going. I had sources both in law enforcement, right here in Minnesota, in Ohio, you name it, I had them. So that's why... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our having a conversation about various aspects of what you have just summarized uh, in the very near future. Uh, Jim, let me, just just to continue to focus on this issue, here's a, another story just published on the 3rd of November a few days ago. Senator Nukes Clinton Foundation, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, lambasted the Clintons and their foundation, equating the, for, equating the former first family to corrupt money launderers. Cotton, a Harvard Law School graduate and former paratrooper with 101st Airborne of the U.S. Army, knows a thing or two about the law regarding classified information and corruption, and he has some harsh criticism for both the Clinton Foundation and the former Secretary of State herself, Hillary Clinton, uh, he, he refers to the Clinton Foundation as the largest money laundering operation in the world, Jim. Yes. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. And like I said, you've got to get the background to understand how this can happen. And that's what we're doing right now. And I hope the people understand that this is not a one-person operation. No, and it's terribly important that there be many people involved because if, if it were only one, you know, they would most certainly have a, a abbreviated lifespan. I mean, we're seeing this yeah. happen in many different cases. The And Hillary t seems to, you know, uh, take uh, uh, severe measures with those who displease her. Uh, the, the attorney, very prominent London attorney uh, to Julian Assange, wound up in front of a subway uh, a man was found trying to climb the, the walls of the Ecuadorian embassy, and he wasn't about to deliver a corsage. Uh, we had uh, Seth Rich, who was the IT guy working for the DNC, who appears to have been the source for Julian Assange for the emails about uh, sabotaging the Bernie Sanders campaign. Uh, we have the man, he was shot multiple times in the back. We have the man who served the process, a class action lawsuit on the DNC, dies mysteriously. We've got a doctor who is an anesthesiologist who appears to have been involved in a brain surgery for Hillary in June 
of 2016, this year, Jim, about which I do not know the details. He's dead, uh, too. And, of course, we have this uh, guy who have, was using the name of a dead FBI agent who was apprehended in Trump Tower with a, with a, 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 a weapon that had, was manufactured with no serial number, meaning it was specifically manufactured to be an assassin's instrument, a professional-quality silencer, uh, in Trump Tower. So, you know, uh, 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 it looks as though what happened in Reno yesterday uh, was more of a staged event than it was an actual assassination attempt. But it turns out this guy, uh, his name is uh, found in WikiLeaks in relation to various dirty tricks being perpetrated by the uh, uh, Democrats, the DNC, along the line of this uh, Project Veritas, where we have these undercover uh, videotapes where the, they're, they're boasting about their ability to get uh, agents provocateur into Trump rallies and so forth to stir up violence and tarnish the impression of Donald Trump. Uh, the guy in charge of that, uh, Jim, uh, has gone to the White House something like 247 times and on 42 of those occasions even met with uh, Barack Obama himself, which rather positively supports the thesis that Obama's deeply involved in this. Yes, it doesn't stop, does it? It just keeps going on and on. And as long as we do nothing, it'll continue. It's fascinating that Donald Trump actually reflected on, uh, 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 predicted a Huma Wiener Clinton scandal back in 2015. He said, think about it. So Hume is getting classified secrets. She's married to Anthony Weiner, who's a pervert. He is. So those are confidential documents, he said. He, he, he was already predicting that, that Huma and her perv husband were going to lead to a scandal, which, of course, has now emerged in spades. In fact, it's amazing to me how often observations that the Donald has made where people thought he was wrong even based on my own research, I know, in fact, he was right, for example, that the father of Senator Ted Cruz was in front of the trademark New Orleans with New Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a very active as an anti-Castro uh, activist. Uh, it turns out his photograph actually appears on the cover of my first collection on the death of JFK entitled Assassination Science, where I use a color photograph taken by a Dallas Morning News photographer uh, of the motorcade, the presidential limo on Main Street in the upper right-hand corner, there is no one other than Rafael Cruz with Antonio Vesiana, who is the founder of Alpha 66, one of the most vicious of all the anti-Castro organizations. There's no way with him being in these different locations at these particular times that he wasn't involved, even at the fringe. And indeed, uh, one of the individuals in the photograph in front of the trademark, when it's not cropped, uh, of short fellow in the lower right was Chauncey Marvin Holt, whom I got to know personally. He was uh, a counterfeiter, a forger, uh, uh, an artist. He, he had a fascinating career. At one point in time, he was... Uh, uh, L L L Meyer Lansky's accountant, Jim, if you can believe. He was working as a contract agent for the CIA uh, in, in relation to the assassination. It was directed by his handler, Philip Twombly, 
to prepare 15 sets of Ford Secret Service credentials for use in and around Dealey Plaza, as you no doubt are aware, when the police, uh, when civilians tried to locate shooters behind the picket fence, for example, on the grassy knoll, someone there showed Secret Service credentials, but they had dirty fingers, you know, others thought in retrospect, well, they'd been prepared by Chauncey Marvin Holt, who told, who, who told me that the, those involved in the photographs uh, were members of Project Mongoose, and that involved all of them, including Rafael Cruz. Actually, that specific report wasn't to me personally, but one he made to others that's been documented, whereas I did meet with him actually at a restaurant under the Rose Bowl after he had reviewed a four-and-a-half-hour documentary I'd put together about the assassination. When I discovered he was around, I sent it to him. Jimmy called me up in Minnesota about 3.30 in the morning to tell me he'd sat up all night watching it, and he thought I had it right. Oh, yeah. But if you want to know why Donald Trump was able to tell this in 2015, I suggested it and said it before. Look at the connection to Roy Cohen and Roger Stone and Donald Trump. And look at the detectives retired from the New York City Police Department who are working for him. It will let you know how he knows this. Because remember, the New York Police Department has cops that know what are happening all over the world. Most people don't even know that. A mutual friend of ours has remarked to me that the NYPD has the largest intel operation in the world. <laughs> you better believe it. And a lot of it, two years ago, Associated Press did a story where it said the New York Police Department was working outside of the government. And about halfway through the story, it said that it started in the late 60s and early 70s. And I got a couple of phone calls from people who knew me that said, Jim, they still don't know what you were doing. I spent 13 years in what we call work in the shadows. Well, Jim, I've been very impressed that in your retirement, you have remained very active in community activities. You're now the mayor of the city of St. Martin in the county of Stearns in the state of Minnesota, and that you had a resolution on human trafficking, which I will read, uh, uh, considered by the uh, city, and as I understand, it was adopted, Jim? Yes, it was. We we were able to stop some pimps from picking up two of our residents, uh, two young girls, 15 years old, only because I knew what was happening. Uh, none of the other victims here have ever been inter, you know, protected. They all end up, I have a kid in Vegas right now being pimped. But yes, and as a result of that, my council passed this without even discussion because they recognized when I explained to them what had happened, and we, I wrote up this resolution with the help of Doug Caddy, I don't know if you remember him, yes. the lawyer for the Watergate burglars, and Jonathan Rubenstein in New York, and a couple other people. So it's not just my words, but... The, the resolution covers everything. It was sent to the governor of New York and to every politician, both state, federal, county, and nobody ever responded. That is acutely disappointed, uh, disappointing and profoundly disturbing. Jim, so everyone will understand what we're talking about, I will read resolution number 2014-08, Resolution on Human Trafficking. 
Whereas human trafficking is reputed to be one of the most profitable endeavors of organized crime and the fastest growing, enslaving thousands of people within our nation's borders each year and perhaps millions outside those borders, it is a crime of increasing proportions, fully repugnant to American beliefs, being a crime that preys on the world's most vulnerable people. Whereas the crime of human trafficking is slavery, it is the sexual exploitation of children for commercial purposes, it is compelling, compelling children to labor or provide services through force, fraud, or coercion, whether citizens, legal residents, or persons having entered the country illegally, it is also taking from a person his or her travel documents, passports, and or visas, whether authentic or forged, to compel that person's labor or services, Whereas the United States is generally a destination for trafficking victims who are recruited in their home countries and transported through other countries, movement is not required for human trafficking to occur. Many U.S. citizens are trafficked, usually teenage girls and boys who are preyed upon by pimps and trafficked for prostitution and other sex-related crimes. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Council of the City of St. Martin that the City Council of the Municipality of St. Martin, Minnesota, hereby petitions the Governor of the State of Minnesota, Mark Dayton, to submit proposed legislation to the State Legislature of the State of Minnesota that would amend the Criminal Code as follows. 1. Any person or entity who uses human trafficking, children, child porn, pedophilia, in, in compromise, extort, or cause another person to compromise, extort, or cause another person to do an unwilling act shall be guilty of a felony with a mandatory 25 years to life in prison, no parole prison sentence. Two, any person or entity that buys, sells, trades, or in any way promotes, enables, or profits from human trafficking, pedophilia, human compromise, extortion, or uses children in a criminal manner, shall be guilty of a felony with a mandatory 25 years to life in prison with no parole, uh, uh, no parole prison sentence. Three, the use of electronic, social media, or any other form of communication to facilitate, promote, or further human trafficking, child porn, pedophilia, human compromise, extortion, use of children in a criminal manner, shall be a felony with a mandatory fine of $1 million per incident and a 10-year prison sentence for each party involved. Four, any person, agency, or other entity that interferes, threatens, harasses, impedes, or in any way compromises an investigator, investigation, prosecution, or witness in human trafficking, child porn, pedophilia, or criminal use of children case shall be guilty of a felony with a mandatory five-year prison sentence. Five, any enforcement agency, agent, prosecutor, elected government official, or any other authority that fails to act with due haste on human trafficking, pedophilia, or the criminal use of children, complaint, and then fails to do a complete investigation of the complaint shall be guilty of a felony. Whereas, as heinous as these crimes of human trafficking, pedophilia, human compromise, and sexual exploitation of children are, it is recognized that an overzealous uniformed, uninformed law enforcement agency, prosecutor, social worker, or health, mental health expert who uses less than scientific investigations to conduct a witch hunt resulting in the conviction of an innocent person can wreak havoc on our society and fail to provide any real solutions. Now, therefore, be it further resolved by the Council of the City of St. Martin's 1, 
For this reason, there must be designated an oversight official to prevent innocent persons from becoming another victim and furthering an already heinous crime. Two, upon conviction of either of the above sections, one, two, or three, and affirmed by the override official, all assets of the perpetrators or entities involved shall be seized and given to the victims. Adopted by the Council of the City of St. Martin, Minnesota, this 13th day of March, 2014, City of St. Martin, James Rothstein, Mayor, attested by Cara Olmschmidt, City Clerk, proposed by James Rothstein, Mayor of St. Martin. Jim, that's so appropriate, so forceful, so clearly defined. Uh, uh, no wonder... You've gotten resistance. No one is pursuing it because they, they are in fear of the obligation it would impose upon them and the dire consequences that would fall upon sex offenders who violate it. Oh, yes. In particular, any elected official, if you elect a dog catcher in your town, he would be liable if he got information and didn't do anything. If we kept our elected officials and forced to do this, in particular, our sheriff's departments for these small community areas in the state of Minnesota and other states throughout the country. They, off, they operate with impunity by doing nothing, and nobody can hold them to, to be responsible for this. You know, And these pimps know this. I know that personally. But, again, all the things we're talking about here that, uh, that Trump has brought up and that, is covered in this. If any of these things were done, this wouldn't be happening. We will include in the in the slides for this also your definitions of human trafficking, of human compromise, unwilling act, extortion, profits, yep. due haste, complete investigation, assets of perpetrators, oversight officials. Let me uh, conclude with the purpose and need for Resolution 2014-08. The biggest misconception about prostitution is that if you stop the demand, tricks, the supply, prostitutes will disappear. It will have minimal effect. This is only true in theory or in a clinical analysis by people who have no clue what they are talking about. Their formulas do not factor in the power of what many view as Mother Nature or the birds and the bees. Prostitution provides quick access to sex not otherwise so easily obtainable in many situations by the purchasing of it from someone willing to sell it. The desire for sex and participation in sex has been occurring since the dawn of the human race, and all the legislation in the world would not regulate morality. Traffickers, pimps, are not part of Mother Nature, and their removal is essential to control prostitution and trafficking. Determining what trafficking really means is of utmost importance. Some, not all, runaways and homeless people in need of money to survive will resort to prostitution for a source of income. They are soon recruited by prostitutes in the street to join the harem and pimp they belong to. If they resist, they are forced to work for another pimp. Nobody works for themselves in the street. If you classify the enslaved victims as runaways and or homeless, they are not crime statistics and need not be reported. Thus you have a cover-up and the facts are kept from the public. Naive clinical researchers take this as documentation that the core of prostitution is based on runways and homelessness to form their politically correct feel-good, do-good analysis. They fail to put the most important factor of the pimps into the equation. 
If the pimps and procurers are not eliminated, all social programs and laws to help victims will be a failure. Thus, a total farce is perpetrated on the public and compounds the problem by endangering the lives of the victims. These laws are based on real victims, real cases, real investigations, real public hearings, real findings, real cover-ups, and real cases of clinical research being flawed. These cases are written in a grassroots form rather than legalese so the public will understand them. If Resolution 2014-08 is not included in any legislation concerning prostitution, human trafficking, and so forth, the legislation is doomed to failure engineering the lives of the victims and is a waste of taxpayer money. Without taking the traffickers' pimps out of the prostitution trafficking equation, all the social programs of the politically correct, feel-good, do-good, awareness, recovery, and so on will not work. Once the traffickers' pimps have been removed, the social programs will work and are absolutely necessary. This is another complicated subject, but easily addressed. Let me just say, Jim, that this is a very comprehensive approach you're describing here toward prostitution. I believe it, its greatest significance has to do with a child sex trade and the, the you know, enforced uh, uh, serving as prostitutes by runaways and other uh, young persons who, who are not capable of standing up for themselves and are subject to sexual exploitation. Do you believe that if the laws were to be changed, if prostitution, for example, were to be made illegal and regulated by the state, where there would be restrictions, required health examinations and the like, taxes being collected and so forth as a, 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 a kind of business that could be comparable to uh, physical therapy, massage therapy and the like, would that be uh, instrumental in reducing crime related to uh, prostitution uh, by legalizing uh, many of its forms, or do you think that would be deleterious to society? No, I believe that it would work, but you would also have to take into consideration you must remove the pimps. You still have to remove the pimps, right? As Before you do anything. If you remove the pimps, I will guarantee you that 85 to 90% drop in the amount of prostitutes, number of prostitutes we have out there, number one. That's how big a difference. I testified to this stuff in New York. 40 years ago and you know we found we did the studies we were in Europe we did all of that I was in the Hague I was behind the green doors in Hamburg Germany and other places where it had been legalized it don't work unless you get rid of the pimps and that's another subject how many people really know what these pimps who they are and what they do we can't talk about it because it's not because in our politically correct feel good, do good society, there's no place for the truth or for honesty. So we can't talk about it. And in that article written by Preston James, he goes in to explain it. You know, this is why people must first know what this is all about. Jim, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I look forward to further conversations between us, including about some of the issues that have come up during our exchange. I'm looking at a photograph of you uh, relaxing uh, at home 
Uh, I really like the image. You're, you're, you're a very impressive human being who has devoted his life to helping society deal with some of the most sordid aspects of human life. Uh, do you believe that if Hillary Clinton should be elected uh, to the office of president on Tuesday, there's any chance whatsoever of cleaning up the Clinton Foundation, all this sex trade and so forth, for the specific reason that it's also in the hands of the NYPD. In other words, I believe she would be able to promptly quash any federal activity. She seems to, uh, she would be able to exert influence through Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General, uh, even on the FBI. But do you believe that the NYPD would nevertheless persevere to attempt to bring justice in relation to the activities of which they now have knowledge, many of which appear to have been committed in the city of New York, where, as it happens, the Clinton Foundation has its headquarters? Well, you have to remember the city of New York has a police commissioner, and they are under the control of the mayor. And the mayor would be able and capable of shutting this down. Uh, sad to say, but that's the way it works. And like I said, I was there three times when it was shut down by the department itself, the higher-ups, and then even when the governor of the state of New York went after this with the State Select Committee on Crime with mandate to find out how this affected society, he got shut down. So you can see when you take this on, you better be ready. I know how to do it. All we need is somebody to listen. Somebody who has enough dedication to the, to the common good and to the integrity of, of, of justice and, and a commitment to upholding the law. Jim, I can't thank you enough for your candid uh, response and, uh, and very informative uh, discussion of these issues. And I, I look forward to having subsequent interviews with you again, my friend. Thank you, and thanks for having the courage to air it. This is uh, Jim Fetzer, your host on The Real Deal, thanking my special guest, uh, New York Gold Shield detective uh, Jim Rothstein, for being here, and all of you for watching.